have professionals around you to help advise you on this stuff. So even if you mm-hmm. go down that road or considering it, have someone evaluate your situation and talk to them about what your objectives are for yourself, short and long term. And then as your years are going, just because you have a prec doesn't mean you're going to manage your money through it effectively if you don't have someone advising you properly on how to take advantage of these deferrals, how much money to take out, how to take it out like you were talking about before. You yeah. know, are there income splitting opportunities? There's all kinds of stuff in your own tax planning that's going to make thousands of dollars in differences regardless of what structure that you have. Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Here we go. It's level up time. I hope people are watching the video. <laughs> I made a pretty epic face and so did you. All right. Uh, you know what? It loosens the facial muscles so that the audio will just flow. Everybody just sit back, relax. It's time to level up. We're, we're talking about such a sexy topic today as well. The sexiest. <laughs> what I, are we talking about today? We're talking about that which keeps the lights on before you even know you've got any lights to keep on. And that is setting up your business properly. Because for those of you who may have forgotten and need a reminder, we are all entrepreneurs here. You own your own business. And in saying that, it's not just about lead generation and marketing, but it's about some of that stuff we might consider boring, but (laughs) that is absolutely necessary if you want to be able to do all the other fun stuff effectively, efficiently, and in such a way that can, like we talked about last week, make you a successful realtor. That's right. And to be honest, I mean, I never set up my business this way. This is something that even if you're in the business and you've been in this business for a while, this is probably a helpful episode for you as well, because the trap or maybe not the trap, just the problem I had when I first started is I didn't think that this is a business that I'm actually running. I'm my own entrepreneur or I'm an entrepreneur. I like, I I think most people don't think so either, or, or at least until you take a step back and say, oh yeah, I'm a business person. Even then we're we're not thinking about this. What does that actually mean? Well, that's it. You, You make money. That's fine. But you know, I think too many people rely on the fact that you're probably, you know, you're selling real estate within a company and maybe it still feels a lot like an employer employee relationship. And in a lot of ways it is, but we're also responsible for our own success as much as people tell us differently, or as much as we want to believe that if we just follow this system, everything will be great. This is one of the most important systems. Yeah. And and something you're, And you're not taught. Like I think back to when I joined my first brokerage, I don't remember having a discussion about this or even in, obviously in the, in the courses, you're not taught about setting your business up. I don't think maybe I just glossed over that part. I don't know. I probably glossed over it. (laughs) 
I mean, <laughs> like, I, yeah, whatever. I don't. Need well, this. I think even in the courses, a lot of it is glossed over because it's it's the kind of stuff that it's almost not classified as you know realtor specific knowledge. This is business owner knowledge. There was yeah. stuff. There was stuff when we took the area courses about you know being a business and all that, but it was very high level. And this is yeah. going to be high level too, I think. But to your point, nobody is doing all of this stuff, I don't think, to the letter of the law, but you need to understand how things work outside yeah. of just your transactions and how the money flows in such a way that you can responsibly track it and manage it and not get into trouble is another key reason that you want to set up your business the right way. Yeah. Because the rules that govern brokerages when it comes to how their businesses are set up should trickle down in a similar way that you need to be taking responsibility for your own uh, structure and all that. So, so that's the, that's the first thing we're going to talk about. Um, and maybe for a lot of people, this is the step that you're at right now, which is the structure of mm -hmm. your business. Um, if you're in Ontario or even other jurisdictions potentially, but definitely in Ontario back in 2019, um, it was established that we as independent contractors or as sole proprietorship uh, businesses have the ability to now create what's referred to as a personal real estate corporation or a PREC. Um, I've, heard, I've heard actually a, a accounting people call it a PREC. Did you know that? They don't call it a PREC. I know. I'm like, really? Why? Because it's like two segments a of like... Well, it's the same thing. It's PREC, but instead of calling it yeah. a PREC, they call it a PREC. That's weird. Sounds like a dinosaur. Fancy. It's, it's like nice. when you people say like Target instead of Target. When you people. <laughs> no, when when people. Oh, I said. okay. Yeah. Target. People. Target. I don't say Target. Me neither. I say oh. Prec. Well, then we'll call it a Prec here. And Target. <laughs> and both of those things. So um, there, there is a lot of talk, there has been, and this doesn't appeal or apply to everybody. So when we say that this is what you need to do to set up your business properly, we're not saying everyone needs a prec, but it is a question that at some point you're going to be asking yourself if you haven't already, which is, how does this apply to me? Is this something I need to consider doing? What are the benefits of doing it? Mm -hmm. um, and this isn't a whole episode on that, uh, which we might do in the future, but the idea of a prec is basically pulling yourself out of the business and becoming um, separated from the fact that your real estate business is actually a corporation now. And as a corporation, there are a whole bunch of other things that come into play. A lot of them are benefits that you could take advantage of, of uh, financially and also from a liability perspective as well. But the thing to concentrate on here is what most people take advantage of a prec for is the idea of tax deferral. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you out there who have considered it or looked into it, I feel like the one thing everybody talks about is, hey, if I make X amount of dollars, then I should probably get a prec. It's in my best interest. If I'm making yes. over this amount of GCI, yeah. I, need to, I need to do that. Um, and in some cases, I mean, before I say anything, there's no need to do it for anybody. This is like anything else that you talk about, even when you're finding homes for people or any decision you make, it is a function of your objectives, your personal situation, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to avoid. And simple tax deferral is not the only reason 
you might feel obligated to get a prec or because you make a certain amount of money, it obligates you to do that. So let's just get that out of the way that this isn't advocating for that in all cases. But quickly to talk about the reasons you might do it, definitely first and foremost, when money is coming into a prec, so your business now, instead of you being John Smith, it might be John Smith Inc. or whatever, mm -hmm. Your brokerage is paying all of your commissions into your corporation now, not to you. Okay. So money is coming in as income to a separate entity, which now is taxed as a corporation at the end of the year, which for those of you who don't know, that's taxed at a much more favorable rate than if you were taxed personally. Personal right. income tax can be a killer, right? It can be like up there at like 50% at the highest ranges, right? So um, first and foremost, money coming in at a lower tax rate sounds good. However, that's still not money in your pocket as an individual. So the idea of a PREC is in some ways similar to those of you who might have an RRSP or something like that. The idea of having money that you can pull out to yourself in a, in a planned and organized way so as to manage the money you require for living personally and to minimize the amount of income tax you're paying on the personal side so as to keep taxes lower, um, much lower on the corporation side. And so keep as much income in there as you'd like to allow for more at the end of the day, free cash to invest, save whatever, either into your business, into investments as the corporation, or for a rainy day that next year, the year after, the year after that, when you don't have a great year, personally, you've got money that you can then extract to yourself still from the corporation at a fraction of the income tax rates as well, because it's coming out in a controlled way. Right. And that's, I mean, what, that's what tax deferral is. Yeah. So ideally you're pulling money out to pay yourself. And I know you're going to talk about this in terms of how you pay yourself from the corporation, but because you're paying, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible for those that might, the numbers might not be registering. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, pay yourself out of the corporation a portion of that money, then because it's a lesser amount, you're making, you're, you're paying less tax is the idea, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. If you make a hundred thousand dollars this year, mm -hmm. the corporation will get the hundred thousand, but if you only need 50,000 right. to really pay your expenses, you could pay yourself personally 50,000, which is taxed at a lower rate. Yes. And the other 50,000 remains in the corporation and that would be taxed at a lower corporate tax rate. But you'd still, okay. So the 50,000 would be charged at a lower rate and the 50,000 personally would also be lower because it's a less amount. Yeah. And, and, and let's be clear. Like when we're talking about tax on these numbers, I'm talking like income, right? You're only taxed on your income, not your yeah. revenue, right? So right. you could sell a hundred thousand, but if you've got expenses and deductions, it's very possible you're paying no tax, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could manage yeah. things in such a way that, you know, you're going to achieve the lowest amount of tax possible and the most cash in your pocket. Yeah. Um, and I should have predicated all this by saying, any of this stuff, and this isn't a whole episode about accounting advice necessarily, or, or about prex or not prex or whatever, have professionals around you to help advise you on this stuff. So even if you mm -hmm. go down that road or considering it, have someone evaluate your situation and talk to them about what your objectives are for yourself, short and long-term, and then 
as your years are going, just because you have a prec doesn't mean you're going to manage your money through it effectively if you don't have someone advising you properly on how to take advantage of these deferrals, how much money to take out, how to take it out like you were talking about before. You know, are there income splitting opportunities? There's all kinds of stuff in your own tax planning that's going to make thousands of dollars in differences, regardless of what structure that you have. So it's always good to surround yourself with professionals. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I am a CA, but I'm not a, not a real one. I'm not the kind you should call it a practicing. I just play one on TV. You play one with our taxes. (laughs) I play one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll take risks on our own money, but not yours. I'm just here to throw out some some high level ideas. So, so one thing you were talking about in our meeting that I thought was interesting was the whole way you pay yourself out of the corporation. Um, Cause I didn't realize that there were options and that one is favorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a corporation, your prick can pay out money to you. I keep, does it keep sounding like I'm saying prick? I was going to say that before, like when you said P rec, I thought you were going to say prick because now every time you say prick, I'm thinking you're saying prick. Yeah. So your your prick (laughs) can, your your P-R-E-C, your P-R-E-C, your real estate corporation um, can pay you out as a salary or as something called dividends, which is something people might be familiar with, you know, if they're invested in companies and they get paid dividends and, and that sort of thing. And that's two different ways to take money out because ultimately you still need money to come out of your corporation because you're not paying all of your life's expenses and funding your life through a corporation, right? You've got kids, you've got daycare, you've got groceries, all sorts of things you need money for, your mortgage, all that stuff. Um, So which one of them makes sense? And again, with every financial decision you make, multiple options exist because in different circumstances, they make sense. So they both do apply in different circumstances. And very quickly, the benefits and and costs of each are dividends have a much lower threshold of work you need to do, reporting, um, because you're not, and, and conversely to that salary, if you're paying yourself a salary, you're going to need a payroll account from your corporation, for example. You're going to have to file payroll taxes from your corporation And you're also taking in the income as a salary on your personal end and have to pay things like CPP, which otherwise you don't pay on a dividend. Um, And that's, again, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, you're paying the the necessary payroll taxes that you'd be paying in Ontario would be the CPP, which has a benefit to it. So even though it's more money, that's almost forced retirement saving. It's paying into the Canada pension plan. There's an employer, employer match, so there's a cost on that side. So the costs, dollars and cents might be a little bit higher, um, but it's for a reason. Whereas with dividends, there's a little less reporting. Um, as, a, as a person receiving the dividends, that's your income you're reporting. It's reported on a T5 slip instead of a T4 or a T4A. Um, I know, all sorts of different tax forms. So you're still reporting it as income, but it's dividend income that you take in that way. Um, one thing that maybe you could talk about that you brought up in our meeting yesterday as well, that's a key consideration is when you take in a salary versus dividends, it changes your profile. Should you have other needs personally, like borrowing money? Yeah. Well, I think that's always been a concern for us, especially as a couple that are both, um, self-employed is trying to get a mortgage when you've probably 
downgraded your reported income on your tax forms as much as possible to avoid paying as much tax. We're not doing tax fraud. Let me be clear, but definitely not tax fraud. (laughs) You know, you're obviously trying to give yourself a favorable situation in that respect, but at the same time, you're screwing yourself on the other side because the ability to uh, show the income is a challenge in, in those situations. And so I had asked if through your prec, if it's possible to show that income as well. And you said it wasn't typically as recognized or even recognized. I would say by the major banks, I'm sure there's mortgage brokers that could probably work around and get exceptions or, you know, ways to look at that sort of an income, but it's not straightforward and it's definitely not easy or guaranteed. Yeah. Well, well, the, uh, to be able <clears throat> to be able to, there's something in my throat right now. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's right there. It's a prec. It's a, there's a prec in my throat. (laughs) That's weird. I hope everybody heard prec that time. Um, Prickle prickle in your throat. A little prickle. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. How's that for taking me off the train of thought? Um, (laughs) If you're borrowing money though, obviously you need to be able to show the lender. Income is one of the major things that they're looking at. And dividend income isn't looked at the same way as a salary, right? Right. Because dividend income is also something you can pull at a very, Mm -hmm. as you need it, as you see fit basis, right? It might be quarterly, it might be once a year. And so to be able to show a consistent stream is Mm -hmm. more difficult than showing an actual salary with a T4 that accompanied it. Now, to your point, I'm not adept enough or confident enough to say definitively that the money that's in your prec isn't taken into consideration. However, even if you're there as, you know, the sole owner of that, it's money that's sitting elsewhere. It's an asset of yours or it's equity you have. And I think that's the degree to which you would be looked at. And yeah. so leaving your money in there, now a prec can take out a loan, a corporation can take out a loan and it can use the money it's got as well. But these are all considerations depending on how you're planning for yourself and what you're looking to do that you need to be considering in how you take the money out and how much money you take out and at what frequency. Yeah. Um, But to to put a bow on that, just as an example, like we talked about, uh, you're putting a bow on it, perfect. Um, Like we said in the beginning, people talk about the threshold of money that if you're making over a certain amount, you you should consider doing it. Um, There is an actual equation if you wanted to do it letter of the law on this. Um, I would say if you're making a uh, uh, GCI of around or, or an income of around $200,000 or more, you are definitely in a better net financial position by mm-hmm. considering and putting together a prec versus not. Um, if you're in that sort of 100 to 200 range, it's still a consideration that you should have, especially as your business grows. Um, and when you get beyond that, like we did a scenario of someone who's got income of $300,000 and mm-hmm. very high level all things remaining equal, having a prec and just taking out the money that's required to live your life personally would leave you based on recent tax numbers. I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021, it would leave you with $64,000 more cash in hand available for investment or otherwise after the corporate taxes are paid and the personal taxes are paid. And that money would be in your business still, but Mm that it netted you with about $136,000 versus 72,000 had you just taken the 300,000 as personal income. So something to consider there. Um, 
And again, speak to a professional about whether or not you think that might be good for you. And also understand, we didn't mention last thing to talk about with that. There's a cost to doing this as well mm. in dollars and in time and effort to be expended to do it properly. Right. So the initial costs um, are probably in the couple thousand dollar range uh, between getting accountants, maybe lawyers, you know, setting up a corporation and all that. But then there's the constant additional reporting that'll be required because you now have a corporation that has all the reporting in addition to the fact that you as a personal person, as a person has the reporting you still have to do personally. So you're going to have, yeah, it's ongoing costs. You're going to need professionals doing more work for you, which will cost more money on an annual basis, but net net, you're going to be finishing out. If, if more money in hand at the end of the day is the goal it's very likely you'll be putting yourself in a position that that's possible. And that with people giving you good advice on a go forward basis, you can continuously not just ensure you're retaining more money, but also retaining, I think the ability to pay yourself out on a tax deferred basis on a rainy day in the future, should things not be going the way you plan them out. Right. So that's the idea of a prep, which is almost like the final chapter before we talk about the initial stuff, which is just setting up your business properly. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do about, do about that? Why don't why we, we do, do about that? that? What why can we, do, we do, do about that? Let's do that. Shall we? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I think HST is the first uh, piece we encounter as agents because we need an HST number when we join a brokerage so that you can collect HST for your commissions. That's a responsibility that you have as an agent. Um, The drawback of that is you're getting an extra 13% on all of your deals. And that can be pretty lucrative and pretty enticing to just kind of hold on to and hope that, you know, it's just your money at the end of the day. So don't spend that. (laughs) It feels like your money. And I don't know, I wish there were statistics on this, on how many people just spend every dollar they take in. But yeah. You can't do that, people. Yeah. So, I mean, responsible, a responsible practice would be to just pretend like that number didn't even exist and pull it away from the actual money that you made so that you're not tempted to spend an extra little bit of money here and there on stuff on with money that you technically don't have that belongs to the government. Yeah. Well, that's it. The HST, that's exactly what it is. It belongs to the government. You're Mm -hmm. holding it for them until you pay it to them. You're being so nice. It's it's true. You're the steward of their tax money. You're a tax Um, steward. (laughs) You are. Call yourself steward. Pat yourself on the back. You are an excellent tax steward. Um, but it's, it's not that obviously nothing's that simple when it comes to taxes, but this is where the story gets better. We start from a baseline of if you make $10,000 in commission and you're paid an additional 13% HST, you're going to get a check for $11,300, right? $11,300. It's weird Oh, you said that. How, how should I say? $11,300. $11,300. Yeah. Sorry. That's better. I don't say numbers well. So you're going to get eleven three in your <laughs> account and $1,300 of that is HST. Now- as you spend money on your business and take in expenses that incur HST, for example, you stage a home, costs you $5,000 and you pay- It's a big stage. Well, it's, yeah, you're, you're doing a very good job for your client and you're paying you whatever it is on that 650 bucks or whatever 13% of that is. 
let's say, I think it's 650 bucks. That's $650 in HST. Although it's out of pocket, that becomes a credit of HST that goes against the HST that you collect. So every dollar of HST you spend on your business is a tax credit, an input tax credit that's due back to you. And every dollar of HST you take in and earn as part of the commissions you take in is HST you owe. So the net of that at the end of the year is what you'll actually owe. Mm -hmm. Conceivably, you're going to owe HST unless you're spending more money with HST on it on your business than you are making money. Which Um, is not a good practice to take. Not a good practice. (laughs) Although I would say- And you'll probably get audited, I would imagine, if you you, were- You might get audited. I've been through some crazy HST audits in a past life, not in real estate, but they're thorough. So a sidebar to all of this is keep good records. Regardless of what you're doing, don't put anything together and submit anything if you cannot back it up with actual records of what's happening, because we're subject to audit, like you're a business, Mm -hmm. right? And when numbers don't look very, very reasonable, and even sometimes when they do, the CRA is allowed to ask you whatever questions they want to scrutinize the stuff that you submit. So be prepared for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say it's reasonable in the one case where if you're in your first year of your business, let's say you start your business in September, right? And you're investing a ton before you get a lot of clients. It's not unreasonable to expect that you might have a tax credit coming to you in your first year. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you go through a really, really bad stretch where you've got consistent expenses, where you've been focused on investing and not so much on client building, I wouldn't recommend that if you're deep in your business, but there are situations that you can justify spending more than you took in. But again, that's also down to, you know, responsible business practice and making sure that you're setting yourself up for success and making sure there's money in the bank. So Mm -hmm. discussion for another day, but as far as HST goes, track it, understand how to calculate it. So like Katie was saying, when you pull money in your best bet is to, Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. Something fell. I didn't know if the mic would pick it up, but it did. that's okay. Um, make sure that you are holding it aside. If you hold aside the full amount of HST, I can guarantee you at the end of the year, you will in fact have some surprise money. It it won't be all of it, but it'll be whatever's net of these input tax credits that you're getting back. Let's say you held aside five grand, you might only owe three grand. It's your Christmas fund. That's your Christmas fund, even though you're probably not filing HST until like February or March. It's your late Christmas fund. That's true. If you have a birthday in January, February, it's like your vacation fund. Perfect maybe. for your birthday, actually. If we do it's HST true. this year in like February or March, mm-hmm. whatever's left over, you should be can like we? pining for that now. <laughs> whatever's left from the HST, can that be my birthday present? That's something. Oh be, man. I'm sure there's people out there who live like that. I never want to have conversations like that in our house. Let's save the HST money for my birthday. <laughs> um, uh... Anyway, so... That those segues into also looking at your bank accounts. This is yeah. a practice that I'm going to say more than half of you are not taking right now. It's a practice. I've never, done, I, I've never done that. And that's true. It, it, I mean, I, I, am admitting it. So there you well, go. We have, don't we, have, we, have like, we have like six bank accounts for our kids, yeah, but we can't well, do now, bank accounts this way. 
I know. Well, I'm just, yeah. I we haven't even told people what we're talking about yet. You're just like confessing you're doing something <laughs> bad and nobody knows what it is. Well, it's not bad. It's just, it's not a responsible business practice. I mean, we're, we're like the personal side for me. Like, I feel like all the, all the responsibility has gone into the brokerage from our perspective. And like, personally, we haven't been as, uh, Oh yeah. Whatever's as, left as is just kind of there. And as long as there's yeah. more than a <laughs> so dollar in the account, this. it's like, whatever, but yeah. Um, so what we're talking about, if you haven't already figured it out is right now, if you're starting your business, this is when you should do this. If you're in your business and you're not doing this, do it. think about it and do it. I think we should start. <laughs> okay. Well, you just like your mouth just exploded into the microphone. I don't know what just happened there. You got some Sorry. strong microphone juice today. Sorry. I'm very okay. close to it. That's fine. Typically uh, you say it's not working. That's well, it was definitely working there. Um, so what we're talking about, this has been the biggest preamble ever. I think is, people know what we're talking about. You need a separate bank account for your Hello? real estate activities. Yes. That's what and we're talking about. Potentially for your HST if you want to go that far. If you want to go that far, you can. I mean, it's all in what makes you comfortable and how you track stuff. But yeah. You take you're in money. Home, you're going to come home today. I don't know if it's two, two bank accounts. I'll be like, what the hell is this? I, I still don't even know how many credit cards you have that I don't know about. <laughs> one, one secret card. One secret card. I don't have any secret cards. I did have one. It wasn't a mm -hmm. secret, but there was a card that I inherited and I got rid of it out of respect. Mm. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> anyway, have a separate, anyway. have a separate account. <laughs> That when your commissions come in, that's where the money comes in. And when you incur expenses for your real estate business, that's where the money goes out. This is yeah. the best way to keep an eye on your own business, to track it, to manage cash flows. It's not to say you yeah. can't transfer money out to your personal account, but then you're accounting for that. And you're able to see not just this mishmash of money, triple M, yeah. that comes in, especially if you're a part-time agent or you've got side hustles or you sell stuff on Facebook marketplace or whatever, there's money that can come in that isn't just your commission checks. Right. Yeah. And so you need to be able to take the reins on what your own situation is in order to not just see how well you're doing, but to effectively plan and yes. diagnose issues and budgeting and things for the future, yeah. which is well, the next thing we're going to talk about. Like budgeting, you, you're, you get so lost when everything is mixed up together. If you have everything separate in one account, it makes it so much easier to figure out what's going in and what's going out. And even from like, we use um, QuickBooks and even from that perspective, I would imagine if we were doing it this way, you know, you could you know, if we've got a separate credit card for the business, like all, like any e-transfers that you're doing. Well, we, we do have that. That's one thing we do have. Oh, that's true. No, well that, but that's for the brokerage business. Right. Like I'm, I'm talking like personal, like our personal business. Person. Like if we're paying for staging, for example, we use the same credit card that we would pay for our kids swimming lessons. Right. But if because you separate that. Why? I agree. I agree. Also be aware though, when it comes to things like credit cards, that too many credit cards can affect your credit. So That's be true. cognizant of what you're doing. But if you have but two, yes. like I've got a secret one and, and our one. It's true. I'm still <laughs> due for a secret one. 
<laughs> so get rid of your secret card and get a card for, or just use that card. Use your secret card for your business. But honestly, though, I feel like the illicit stuff I do, if any, I'm just doing in the open anyway, because you're never looking at any of this stuff. It's true. I know. Like you I, have an I could, advantage. I, I could like buy a car with yeah. our regular credit card out of our bank account and you probably would never yeah. notice. And I mean, like as, as we talk, I think because I am not involved in that side of things, I think like you're much better at the numbers, understanding what's going in and out. For me, I needed to be much more straightforward. So if I were in charge of that stuff, which I should be, or partly should be, um, I be. think, yeah, I think it depends on people's personalities, but obviously like, you know, that- well, that yeah. part would, would help me feel better knowing exactly what is happening. Well, that's the thing is people are different types of learners. You know, yeah. if you're a visual learner, we talk a lot about tools that we have and have used and that our agents use for things like managing your taxes, managing your expenses. Mm -hmm. You know, you should be tracking things. So let's segue to that. You need to track things, not just your HST, but yeah. everything that happens in your business in real time, whether you have an app or something that files all your expenses, it is great to see what's happening in real time. It's a lifesaver when it comes to tax time and you're going to need to have all this information anyway. Yeah. So take 15 minutes a week and consolidate what has happened in the week because I guarantee you that's all you're going to need unless you're an absolute lunatic who buys like, you know, who has like 400 transactions every week. Like but, we do, a, we do a lot of spending and a lot of buying yeah. and a lot of things, but, and I don't do this every week, but if I mm -hmm. did, it would be 10, 15 minutes. Oh a yeah. Week. No. And like, honestly, there, there's been moments where it's usually at tax time where you need my help in, in determining like what certain uh, expenditures we've had. And it's in those moments where I'm like, Oh shit, I've been spending, like, I, I didn't cancel the subscription or I'm still paying right. for this. Like if you were to take the time to do it once a week, once a month, even you will catch those expenditures that you probably shouldn't be paying. And I want to believe a lot of people out there are at least reading their credit card bills every month and making yeah. sure there's not weird stuff on there. Like we're a gong show when it comes to that. Like we're, I, the, I read my secret credit card. It's great. But I mean, like the one transaction. And, yeah. I don't even know what's on there. I you know, you know what? I, what be, do you buy honest, on there? No, I, I do use that for, um, cause I property manage a few properties for a client. So any expenditure that I have on there, because it's going in and out between me and anyway, I, I, I like to keep track of it on that side because the thing is I, I never access our credit card, our joint credit card. I think I'm actually scared to see it because of the amount of transactions that are on there. Which one? The personal one or yeah, the business yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, no, the personal one. Oh, I just, it's, I've, it's... I've removed myself. Like for those that of you, and this is me included, like try to get more involved in this stuff because it's important. I, well, I think I fell uh, back on you because you well, just my hand it. got really big on the screen there. That is something that, it's a real problem and it's not like we're raking it in, but yeah. when you know that you're not struggling or needing to pinch every penny month to month, you get complacent yeah. because you know, the bill will be paid. So it should never be the case that, you know, plus or minus 500 bucks doesn't matter because yeah. it does matter. Yeah. Every dollar counts. 
Mm -hmm. And for everybody that's different, sometimes for some people, it's like, Hey, I don't care if it's five bucks off of what I expected for some people. It's, I don't care if it's a thousand dollars off of what I expected. And those blurry lines add up over time and you can miss a lot. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all leading to not just reporting, but your ability to plan effectively and budget for how you're going to run your business, finding efficiencies, finding holes and finding opportunity because Mm -hmm. the whole process of budgeting is about identifying what's working and what isn't and what you want to do and finding the places where you can do that. And you're not able to do that if you can't actually look at what you've already done. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why you need a separate bank account. (laughs) It's one of the main reasons that having a separate bank account is helpful. Um, You know, managing like all these little apps will allow you like QuickBooks, like you said, is what we use. You can feed all your bank accounts, all your credit cards into the app. And yeah. as things come in, you can even classify them different mm-hmm. ways that way. Like it, it, it understands the way entrepreneurs work and the way yeah. we all live our daily lives. It's there to make life easier or people mm-hmm. wouldn't be using it. Um, also, as you're planning, so let's get into planning, unless there's anything else we wanted to talk about when it comes to the way that you're setting up your business, bank accounts. HST, keeping it aside, being aware of what tax time is all about and how to do your taxes. That's just kind of part of the tracking. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to planning, I think it's a necessity that you have a budget. And I'm sure a lot of people, maybe not most, but a lot of people are not budgeting their business for the year ahead. We're a very like seat of our pants industry where it's just the next deal is what dictates what I'm going to do, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked to people this week who have talked about, you know, I make this much on a deal, which lets me now invest in such and such, right? Which I get like cash flow wise, that might be how it works. But mapping this out in front of you is what allows you to uh, understand what you need to do revenue wise to be able to achieve certain things, but it also keeps you accountable, right? And it lets you stay real time on what it is that you're accomplishing or not accomplishing. So I thought you were going to come in there with something, but nothing. So, so we're, we're going to talk about budgeting. I think towards the end of this year, we might have a session on that where we get more specific, but start wrapping your head around that now, right after you get your second bank account, right after you consider whether you want to, I was going to say, be a prec or not. Don't be a prec. (laughs) Um, whether you want to go that route or not and the structure of things, um, start getting into the actual planning and plotting things in there in a way that makes sense for you because it creates a consistent way for you to report in real time, for you to track things in real time, to establish what the problems are and to maybe realize things that are going better than you thought or spots Mm -hmm. where you thought that you were spending a lot of money where really you're not. Yeah. Um, And you could afford to put more into it. So- do that. This is, it's a learning process. This is not just a, um, there's not a static set of rules, but you're able to set the groundwork and the foundation for how you do things going forward. If you've got a good foundation, that's what this is all about is building that base that you don't have to think about anymore because it's working. Yeah. And once you start doing it, it's clockwork. Like if you do it every week where you're checking in every for 10 to 15 minutes a week, like you just get used to doing that. That's just part of your routine. And 
even like, I know I mentioned stuff like subscriptions or something that you might be missing out on, but even just tracking like your consumption personally of, you know, hydro or your phone or certain things go up in price. And it's like, what the hell, how did this go up in price? I never added anything on like companies will do that every so often. So just being aware of that stuff from a month to month basis and how those expenses are varying are very important things. Like it just Mm -hmm. comes down to being responsible about your finances. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking to myself as much Are as you? everybody else out there. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I thought you thought I wasn't listening to you. You're talking no, no, to yourself. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that like, I'm not just saying for everybody else out there. It, well, I think everybody can do a better job at managing their finances. Well, a, a, every talk we have in some way or another talks about systems and building systems. And more of the yeah. t- most of the time we're talking about systems related to whatever, you know, your transactions, your marketing and all that. This is the fundamental system upon yeah. which everything else is built. Right. Exactly. And if, if you don't have this in place, you can still do the other work. Most of us have been trudging along without this, but mm-hmm. it makes life so much easier. Well, and it makes decisions easier too. like investing mm-hmm. in your business. If you know, you don't have the, the money at this point to invest in a new system that you really want, then you plan for it and you budget it, but you don't just go out. I think, you know, a lot of us are in a very fortunate position where when we want something, we go out and get it, but if we take a look at where we're at financially and, and maybe make some more responsible decisions based on, you know, what cash flow might be coming in or whatever. Um, I, th- that's the other thing about separating your bank accounts, because if you have a certain amount in your business bank account, like you'll be more responsible with that. Like when you start, I think that's the issue that I notice when you mix things up personally between, you know, all of the accounts, it's, you don't really realize how much money you should be spending on your business versus if you've got like the money from your spouse coming in from another job and yourself, like how much money of that is yours and how much are you like, not yours, but of your business and how much really should you be spending on these systems and expenses that you have. And seen. I like that. Now take take out your personal hidden credit card. We're going we're gonna to buy some. Now go on Amazon and buy something for yourself that I'll never know about. I mean, you kind of do know about it because I pay it the balance off every month. Well, that's it. Bank. The actual payment comes out of the same bank account. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like I'm spending like tons of money. It's just, like, I'm just really gifts not. or yeah. That's fine. That's kind of thing. My audible, just my audible subscription is on there. Oh, Audible's on there. That's why I never mm-hmm. see it anywhere. That's fine. It's okay. All I see is Visa and a total. It's the itemized yeah. list I know nothing about. <laughs> now I know one of the items that's on there. There you go. It's all good. All right. So everybody, um, hopefully this was helpful there. This was just a really kind of high level financial setup talk some ideas, some things to think about, some stuff you should be doing regardless of how responsible you think you are. Mm -hmm. But um, I hope that it was helpful. And if you know what, if you're ready in a position where you do all these things, bravo, but I'm sure most of you are not, we are not, and we're the ones telling people to do it. So let's, uh, let's try to, let's try to enter the new year with everybody having the actual structure in place that makes sense for you. And that serves your business well so that you're not spinning your wheels at 
multiple spot times during the year where you're playing all kinds of catch up and trying to figure out what it is that happened for the last three months. Right. Thanks for listening guys. If you can share this episode with anybody that might find it helpful, we'd appreciate that. Just and- not, not the CRA. Don't share it with the CRA. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like they're going to be like taking names. We're going to get a call for an audit. Like these guys sound shady. Yeah. We're not. Okay. That's all Until good. next time, keep fit and have fun. <laughs> all right. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Never, 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 never